The 4AM Club. Today I'm talking to Renee. Renee is the owner of the lifestyle brand Pippet and Finch and a very talented content creator. She is my very dearest friend who co-parents Nathan when my husband is working. In this episode, Renee will be asking me questions about motherhood from her perspective as a currently single but hopefully married with kids one day. Welcome, Renee. Hey, Dad. It would be nice to ask you a few questions. You are quite honest about motherhood, which is really refreshing <laughs> because there's always this culture of not sharing. There's things that you hear people mention, but they don't really elaborate. The first question is quite a light-hearted one. Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> they really change. Oh, my goodness, yes. I don't think... I've met someone whose boobs haven't been affected, whether you breastfeed or don't breastfeed. And it's one of my first questions when I meet new moms. Is, so how are your boobs? How's your relationship with your boobs? Which is so strange, I think, to anyone who hasn't gone through pregnancy, but I think really refreshing for people who have. So my boobs definitely changed. They used to point forward. <laughs> they don't point so forward anymore. I've been quite lucky in that regard, but I have heard stories where they'll completely change shape. And I've had friends tell me that they just lost absolutely everything and ended up getting surgery because they just felt like their body wasn't in proportion. It wasn't to be bigger or to show off. It was just to get them back to normal. So yeah, every, every boob is different. <laughs> All I can say, which I did because I got this information, was take photos of your boobs while they're still good. Take photos of yourself. It's from Schitt's Creek, where she's like, take lots of naked pictures of yourself because when you're older, you'll look back with much kinder eyes. And I feel like I have started giving that advice to people too. Quick, quick. Yeah. So the next one is one that I've only really recently thought about. But you hear about all these mom clubs, playdates, baby groups, and then the very famous saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And you're part of this, it's almost like you enter this club, but then something that I've recently discovered is that apparently it's one of the loneliest places or the loneliest you've ever felt. Is it like that? I think what happens is people go in without really knowing what to expect. And then what they assume is normal and what is really happening feels so disconnected. It really does change in the sense that you become, and Katya put it so well in our last podcast, you become your baby's whole world, especially in the beginning stages. And especially if you decide to breastfeed, this child is completely dependent on you. And it is so different from having a pet or from any other kind of responsibility because your freedom just gets completely taken away. And I think if you enter into having kids with a partnership where there hasn't been discussion about roles or they've just been assumptions about roles, I think your sense of identity completely shifts. And I do think it becomes lonely if you, if you don't have people being open and honest, talking to you about the stuff you're going through. The other thing is you get two different cultures, warm culture and cold culture. And in South Africa, Afrikaans culture and English culture are cold cultures, which means 
you do your thing in your private home and you keep your things to yourself and warm culture, which is what I come from is very in people's faces, telling people exactly what they just have no interest in hearing or what to hear. And so I've recognized that it depends on how you were raised. I mean, if you never saw your parents struggle, if you never saw them being vulnerable, then there's definitely this stoic philosophical mindset that's operating a very subliminal message of you kind of just crack on. It's hard, but you crack on. And I, and I think that creates loneliness because connection is built through vulnerability, or at least honest connection is built through vulnerability. So like you said, people can go to play groups. They can even drop their kids off at school. They can technically be surrounded by other moms and still feel completely alone because they don't feel safe to share. Be, whether it's because they've been brought up not to or because they just don't know if they're allowed to or if they feel like their stuff isn't for people to know. So you think there's loneliness despite having mom's groups and having playdates? I suppose like you were saying, even without a child, you can be alone in a group full of people. So it's probably like similar. I can go to gym class and like 15, 15 people doesn't make them my friends just because you have that one thing in common. Exactly. Sure. That's really interesting. I mean, that was the foundation the 4AM club was built on, was chatting to moms and they were in these moms and tots or the pre-birth classes. But it's very different it's being in a class with someone, just like at school, and then being friends with someone in that class. And I do think that friendships develop, but something I've learned in my adult life and that I've witnessed, and we even had this discussion was, it's really difficult for people to make friends. Not everyone can make friends. And so if they stay in the same place, they'll have the same friends. But the minute you move them, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll have that skill. And I think something that's come up in our group before is the drastic shift. If you are one of the first people to have a kid away from your single young adult group, and suddenly there isn't anyone to talk to or the people that you're now around may not be your people. Is mom brain a real thing? <laughs> it is. So again, this is the same thing with the boobs. I mean, obviously these are all like my own opinions, disclaimer, but I still haven't met someone who hasn't had mom brain to some extent. And yesterday I was in the pool with another mom and she couldn't get a word out. And she's like, and my word, what is happening to me? So yes, it is a thing. Again, everyone is different. I call it poo brain, but I definitely had poo brain right at the end of pregnancy and those first those first couple of months. I think even even now to an extent, I still <laughs> I struggle a bit. What was something that you learned about motherhood after becoming a mom that no one told you about. So the, the biggest shock was after my cesarean section, I didn't realize that you bleed. People like you get panty liners because you'll bleed after your operation. Why would you bleed if the baby's getting cut out of you? <laughs> I think that was actually where it started was preparing my baby bag for the hospital because there's the baby bag on Pinterest and there's your hospital bag. And your hospital bag gives you a very different perspective of what's about to happen. And I think, I think that's when it really hit me was buying these massive panty liners, buying these pregnancy bands and starting to have these conversations, but still not feeling prepared. 
I guess I just wasn't prepared to be so physically broken and then have to nurture a child. I mean, there was one day I had a trauma response and my body started shaking. And I think that's where the loneliness comes from is it's so intense and you just feel, is it just me that's being pathetic? So I was crying and breastfeeding and then obviously just bleeding. The other thing that I was mindful of, but just I didn't get enough of a warning was just how intense your relationship becomes with your partner. Ben and I fought more in the first seven weeks than we had ever fought in our whole relationship. And we usually fight well, but the sleep deprivation and also the cabin fever made for a really tense environment. And we were both so on edge, you know, Nathan would scream and he had really bad colleagues. So he would scream and scream for five hours at a time. And it just really, really wears you down. And my cousin said this to me, that crying can really get to you. You start having the bad thoughts. What do you mean the bad thought? When they come, you'll remember this. And I did. And the bad thoughts were, if I just put the pillow, or if I just turn him on his face, or how can I make him be quiet? And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, who am I? And then I remembered her words and I reached out to her and she said, this is a thing. It was so helpful to know that that's normal because I, I felt so much guilt and shame around it. So again, that loneliness is if you're experiencing those things, but there's so much guilt and shame, then it can be so difficult. You start grieving and that doesn't necessarily mean grieving your early twenties, just being able to choose what you did with your life and with your time. And I think that can be very, very difficult depending on how much you had going on before you became pregnant, before you had a baby. And also how much will change moving forward. I think for me, just being pregnant and then having a small baby in another tiny town where I hadn't really made a community yet, that was just, just difficult on its own because even though my work was flexible, if I chose to go back to it, it still very much felt like, is this my life now? And I think that that was a couple of our fights. Is this my life now? Is this what I do? I just stay at home and look after a child. The next question is, how did your reaction compare to your husband when Nathan came into the world? I think Ben being a doctor has seen a lot more newborns than I have. I married a man who isn't scared to be around babies. I think his thing was, this is normal. Whereas mine was the more irrational, emotional, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is so hectic. I wasn't that at first sight. Personally, and I've had this conversation with other people to just check. Am I crazy? Is this normal? For me, no, it was, is that what he looks like? That's so weird. I mean, even with the 3D scan, 4D scans, I don't know if you could really see what they look like. So I don't know if it was love. I think the love kicked in when his personality started evolving. Then I felt like I had something to connect to. Did your feet grow during the first They didn't. And I was so upset because they didn't grow the whole time. And then now they're shoes that I can't wear. I mean, on one hand, I'm really happy because now I can wear my mom's shoes. But I'm just really concerned that I don't want them to grow every pregnancy. Did they not go back? Well, mine haven't. What? So again, I think it changes for people, but for me, yeah, I've gone up a silos and not back down. That's really scary because <laughs> like, like, I'm a size nine. <laughs> I have huge feet. If my feet are at this end, I will never get shoes. <laughs> I'm not boy shoes. 
do you find it gets easier and like are there things that are more challenging as your baby grows i thought about this before i hope it sounds as wise as it does in my end i don't think it gets easier i think your capacity gets bigger it just changes it changes so that flexibility and adaptability that you need i think is really important he doesn't need me to carry him around anymore but now he's destroying the house every yeah. second he gets you know easier maybe in the sense that you do start getting your freedom back now they don't need you all the time so your ability to rediscover your identity or reconnect with yourself definitely from four to six months already i was like i feel like i can breathe you know otherwise it just feels like you're constantly carrying a Tabaguchi around. And then lastly, how can people help someone with a young baby or a child? I don't know why I'm going to get so emotional about this because I feel like you help me every single day. So how do you not know the answer? But maybe you're thinking with the smaller babies. For me, especially, your brain is so mushy in the beginning from lack of sleep and from such a life-changing event. I needed people to just barge in. And I know that's not it for everyone. Like some moms get very anxious in the beginning and they don't want anyone around them. So I think the important thing is gauging how much of a relationship you have with that person and how comfortable they would be with you in their space, even if it feels like they don't need it. I was so happy when people just rocked up and helped because I actually didn't have any mental energy to ask specific things dinners and stuff yeah that was huge a friend of mine actually that was her baby shower request was food vouchers it lasted them four months for four months they didn't have to cook and they said it changed their lives so that was definitely like a massive thing but Ben and I also enjoy cooking so can't take that away you always can't take so again I think it's it's really really personal just wanting to help is massive just trying to help is massive if, if the person isn't directly communicating with you, communicate with someone like their mom or someone that maybe they are feeling more comfortable to share what they need with. But I mean, like you and me, I feel so comfortable with you just showing up and offer practical things. So I got offered your grocery list, any mental load stuff, but specific things because your brain can't function. So what do you need from the shops? Do you have dinner tonight? you know, things like that, where they're very daily, very specific. Because if it's more specific, then the person has like less to think about. I think the thing about showing up is really just actually showing up. I think what really affects moms negatively is I'm here if you need anything, but then you're never really available. Every person's different. Renee, thank you so much for being on the other side today. I thoroughly enjoyed answering all your questions. And for everyone listening, I hope that you found that as inspiring, encouraging and entertaining as I did. Until the next one.